You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning. Uh, If this is your first time at Grace Community Church, we are very happy that you have chosen to worship with us here today. Give you a little bit. Uh, of a clue of our theology. We believe God chose you to be here with us today, too. We've been learning about this in a series that we've been doing on the five solas. Before I jump into that, I want to just pass along uh, the personal word of gratitude from the Bryants at Duke. Uh, This is a, a shock to not only their system, but to our entire church family system that this seven little seven month little beauty is struggling with cancer and they are moving ahead very quickly and I'm very happy about that uh, because this is the best chance of getting this cancer before it hits the spine and 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 we just have experience with that in our church so we 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 want to pray that this chemo will work quickly and uh, and effectively And that it will hit the right places and stay away from the the places that we don't want it to be. Also, a special prayer. Uh, Josh and Arlene are very much in touch with the team that has landed in the Philippines. We'll be there for three weeks um, doing ministry in uh, ISIS-threatened territory. So want to be praying uh, for our brothers and sisters who are serving in that way. So... Uh, Actually, I'll I'll talk about this a little bit more. My heart is really full this morning as I I think about family. Before I get there, though, I want to ask you, have you ever been so impressed, so impressed with something that you have read or seen, witnessed, that you were just overcome with emotion and you used... Uh, those words that are reserved for the most special times that you've been overwhelmed like that. When you say, that's beautiful, marvelous, splendid. I have no words to express what I'm feeling or, or to express my gratitude. I remember finishing books and, and just sitting and just shaking my head softly like that. Whereas no means means a good thing. I, I, I was that way this morning when Ricky said, have you, who are we that we deserve to be a part of this family? Like Noah and his family, they were just on the ark and I just, I just started shaking my head. So if you saw me, I was not saying Ricky was doing a bad job. I was just saying, <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was overwhelmed with emotion and, and, and overwhelmed to think about the goodness of God with Ricky leading that uh, time of worship for us and the worship team that was up here and just the whole family. I've got grandchildren here this morning and my heart was just full and, and my daughter Liz from the mountains. And, and, and to think about the entire family. By the way, when we do communion, we do it two ways. We, we come forward and then we pass it. We come forward on the first Sunday and then we pass it on the third Sunday. We have not yet decided... We've, we've debated to go with the real biblical method of communion where we recline at table and do it, but we haven't figured out how we, we would do that. But, but in all cases, you're just aware that, that you're a part of a family. 
the family of God, as you come forward, I'm always just, as I'm sort of jostling with people coming forward, I just remember that I'm a part of the family. And then when we sit like we did this morning, like we'll sit at the table on Thursday and, and, and we partake of the beautiful reminder that Jesus' body was beaten beyond recognition and his blood was spilled for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and you just are overwhelmed at times. I, as I said, I, I remember those times where I have, have read books and, I, and I'm, I'm just sort of stunned in the silence. I'm almost certain you have had that experience. Your personality may determine how many of those experiences you have had. You sometimes are, maybe you're overcome frequently. Maybe not only when you read John Steinbeck, but when you read Dr. Seuss, you know, you're like, oh, wow, this is really, uh, this is moving. Uh, but it, the fact that you have been moved at that level at some point will will help you to understand the beautiful doxology that the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 11, 33 to 36. Most of the time, doxologies in the New Testament come at the end of the books, uh, end of the letter, but, but sometimes Paul especially, he'd just get overwhelmed and he'd just break out into song of praise and, and <clears throat> to the Lord. Paul was overcome with the majesty and power and wisdom of God. He had no choice but to, to emote these strong expressions of praise and his commitment to God's glory. So for eight weeks now, we have considered four of the five solas that delineated what the reformers believed when they pulled away from the, the Catholic Church 500 years ago in a movement that has come to be known as the Reformation. The, the intent was to reform the church, but ended up being totally uh, breaking away from the church. Um, Although the, the reformers themselves would have spoken of three solas, they believed all five. The truth represented in each of these five solas <clears throat> represents an attempt to distinguish Protestant theology or Protestant doctrine from Roman Catholic doctrine. And increasingly, these solas distinguish biblical theology from all other theology, especially a whole lot of Protestant theology that has gone far, far, far further from the truth than the Catholic Church ever was. And it is a consequence of not being one church. We understand, though, always when power is concentrated, it's very easy for it to be corrupted. <coughs> Sola is the Latin word, excuse me, for alone. And so if you haven't been here before, we believe that Scripture alone, not what the Pope says, not what our hearts say. My daughter Liz was talking with someone recently. She said, I'm, I've been trying to find myself. Liz said, how's that working out for you? <laughs> you know, we're not here to find ourselves. We're d directed to God. Our only Fulfillment in life is going to be when we find the Lord or when he finds us and we acknowledge what he's done in our life. So we believe that scripture alone, not what the Pope says, not what our hearts say, but scripture alone points to salvation in Christ alone as our only hope of salvation. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, not by good works on any part in our 
in any measure on our part. And our salvation is to the glory of God alone. Now, when you think about all of these five solas and you think about the importance, a lot of people say, well, I get Scripture alone, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone. And, and of course, we believe in the glory of God, soli deo gloria, to, for the glory of God alone. But how does that fit into the solas? Well, actually, it is the glue that holds them all together. When we acknowledge, think about it again, when we acknowledge that our understanding of salvation comes directly from Scripture, not from any other source. And when we realize that God's grace alone, His grace makes us alive and that we receive justification by faith alone. Justification made possible by Christ's death on the cross. That was the, another thing that was... Uh, the, 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 the music this morning just moved my heart. The beautiful theology about Christ dying for us. That God would look on Christ and pardon me. Not because I've been a good boy or a good girl. You know, waiting for Santa Claus to come. He looks on me in spite of my wickedness. Or he looks on Jesus and he pardons me. And then he looks at me and he sees Jesus. When you think about all of that, then we have no choice but to praise God alone for his wonderful and mighty work of salvation in our lives. We cannot take any credit morally or intellectually for our salvation. All glory is to God alone and we are the blessed beneficiaries of the requirement to give God the glory. For everything good that happens in our lives. Look, over and over in Scripture, we see that God says He will not share His glory with another. The Ten Commandments start off that way. Isaiah 42, 8, I will not share my glory with anyone else. You worship an idols, that's not going to do. Now, look, I, I, I would imagine that most thoughtful Christians, at some point you sort of think, you know, God calls us to be humble, and yet He expects us to worship and praise Him. Um, and you think... Well, is that really, I don't really understand that. And certainly unbelievers say that. I've had that thrown in my face several times. Um, but there are two things that we ought to think about. First, God is one. He is holy. We have no conception of what holiness is. Some of you are engineers. You're going to school for engineering. You're teaching engineering. Look, we do our best Scott Colbert is an engineer, and he talks about the, the precision with which these instruments are made. It's stunning how, but we don't approach anything close to perfection. We don't even know what perfection is. So we really are not qualified to say God is egotistical when he requires all of his creation and those he has redeemed to worship him. In fact... To think that God is a bit stuck on himself is to tread dangerously close to the path that Satan walked, walked when he first sinned, questioning God's exclusive right to the worship of his creatures. So that's one thing. We don't really understand God's full uh, level. We don't understand what full holiness is or holiness doesn't need any kind of uh, descriptor at all. But second, personal glory really serves only to get us in trouble. Does it not? 
When you are proud of your goodness and how worthy you are of salvation and or how smart you are to have chosen the right path or how that you know so much more than other believers who think differently theologically <coughs> than you do or how right you are on political issues and how wrong the others are on matters of social justice, we don't win that way. You know why? You can't handle the glory. <laughs> that was pretty bad. I thought I could do better. You can't handle the truth. Jim McLaughlin reminded me the other day that the guy that, that Tom Cruise played in that movie is a Campbell grad, Campbell Law grad. Interesting, isn't it? Bet you didn't know that. But it's really true. We're incapable of handling the glory, and it is a mercy to each of us that our creator and redeemer calls us to worship him. As we noted last week, Romans is this detailed, systematic explanation of the gospel. If you've never understood the flow of Romans, this will be a good time to say next year, I'm going to learn about the book of Romans. By the time the apostle Paul gets to the end of what we know as chapter 11 in his letter, he, he is just overcome with God's goodness and he breaks out in praise, <clears throat> uh, and, 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 and he can't contain himself. Look, if you're in a home group this week, if your home group is meeting this week, I'm prob probably a lot or not because of Thanksgiving. Um, but if you are, you'll break this text down a little bit. This morning, almost the re all but just a little bit of the rest of the time is going to be taken up with our panel. We've had a panel uh, four times, this is the last panel, and as you can see, there are a lot of chairs up here. The elders are going to come, and they're going to answer uh, two questions. Each one is going to answer uh, two questions. Uh, if you have ever been overwhelmed with God's goodness, we're going to talk about the glory of God on our panel. If you've ever been overwhelmed with God's goodness to you, then your heart will resonate with our text, Romans 11, 33 through 36. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. I will ask you to stand as we read God's word to his glory. The Apostle Paul writing about the deepest matters. Romans 9, 10, and 11. You can't imagine how deep those chapters are. And he breaks out and says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Father, we acknowledge that we are unworthy even to utter your praise. But especially to do so as redeemed children of God. We thank you that you have brought us to the place that we recognize that our salvation uh, is detailed and explained to us in scripture alone and it's all about Jesus alone Christ alone and it's your grace alone not our works 
that we receive this justification by faith alone and to the glory of God alone we give praise and thanks. Open our hearts and minds for the remainder of our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Occasionally, I like to give advice to young preachers, and every once in a blue moon, they uh, act like they're listening. I really appreciate that, absorbing what I say. The first piece of advice I always give is this. The worst sermon you will ever preach is the one in which you get up on Sunday morning or Sunday evening, whenever it is, and say everything you know about the text that it is you're preaching. You just have to know a lot more. That was frustrating in the early days. I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that. Uh, you probably um, have a hard time believing that that's what I think, considering the length of some of the sermons. I say everything I know and then some uh, about a particular text, but it's true. Anyone who preaches here on Sunday morning knows a good bit more about the text that they're proclaiming than they are able to share. And knowing more than you're able to say is, is, is so true of the elders who have participated in these panels on the five solas. They have studied a great deal. And I am delighted to invite all of the elders, uh, my close friends, my fellow servants, my fellow pastors. If you would come to the platform this morning. These guys, Scott Colbert, Neil Manning, Jim McLaughlin, Mike Moneypenny is not here this morning, but Chris Pope, uh, Burt Wallace, and Lee Williford are going to join me up here. And we're going to focus on two questions, and each one is going to have an opportunity to answer um, these two questions. We're only going to uh, have, well, we've got two microphones. Let's just, let's stick with one if that's okay. That was the suggestion of one of our elders. Okay. Guys in the back, you've cut me off before. Cut the, No, you haven't. Uh, don't cut them off either. Uh, it's a blessing. Thank you all uh, for that. As I was, that's another one of those uh, things I, I think I have to say about family that I was overwhelmed. When I was thinking about this time, I was thinking about how close I feel to every single one of you and how grateful I am for that, your friendship as well as your service. So our, our first question this morning, and Jim, you're on the end down there, so we'll start with you. And this might, yeah. You see the trouble with two mics, don't you? you know, or three, we'll have people sitting here like this. And I know the feeling, so. Uh, here's our first question. In light of your study... And your understanding of Scripture, when you hear the phrase, to God be all the glory, what comes to your mind? Scripture talks a lot about God's glory. So what comes to your mind and to your heart, Jim? Well, first of all, I'd be overwhelmed uh, to try and really articulate what God's glory means because it's beyond our ability to comprehend, really. But when I saw this question for the first time yesterday... Day before. Day before yesterday. I thought of Isaiah, although the, the passage in Isaiah does not mention the word glory. He writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole earth is full of his glory. Does say that. And then at the end, he says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And that is after Isaiah had said, Woe is me. And he saw God's glory. He was overwhelmed. And he said, Woe is me. I am undone, in effect. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. And that's what I think about is how God in his glory, has stooped to us and, and come himself to save us in spite of us and that he created us in his image. And yet we have marred that image so badly and yet we still have the Westminster Shorter Catechism which tells us what is the chief end of man? chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And then John Piper tells us that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Amen. That's what I think. Amen. Well, when I first saw the, the question, the um, first thing that jumped to my mind was were a few Shia Lin songs, but in addition to that, it was actually the verse that we read from this morning in Romans that everything is from him and through him and to him from from the first to the last all of redemption and not just our individual salvation but those things that that often we see as very challenging to us broken little bodies uh, broken relationships um, the unknown all these things work in his sovereignty not only for our good but primarily for his glory and he's using it to shape us <clears throat> and I thought also how um, how wonderful it was that we get to share about this on the morning that we share the table with the Lord that in many traditions the communion is referred to as the Eucharist which means Thanksgiving and just as Jim was saying that how thankful I am and, and we ought to be to know that that God has done from the first to the last all things and has invited us into um, into relationship with him for his glory. I've been a believer for about 27 years and I still struggle every day with humility and self-righteousness. These are two things that just plague me. <laughs> Striving for humility and trying to shrug off self-righteousness. And this uh, study, um, especially looking at the glory of God, um, so beautifully has highlighted that uh, for me. Um, because when I think about my own justification, um, which we've talked about um, by faith alone, there is nothing that I can do to make myself worthy uh, before God. Um, in standing before him, there's nothing that I can present to him um, to make myself right before him. I have no role in my own justification. And that, over the last 27 years, is, is very humbling um, to know that 
when I stand before the throne of the Lord um, in all of his glory, um, I will do so because of the work that Christ did for me and how it completely satisfied and justified um, me um, in my sin. Um, it has been his justification has been granted unto me. Um, and there is no glory that I can take or earn or steal uh, from God because it is truly all of his. Um, and I go back to uh, the Lord's prayer. Uh, For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Not mine, but thine. That's better than what I had. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, in answer to the question, I, not to steal from what Lee has said, but I mean, just to God be all the glory, what does that mean to your mind? I've been mulling this over for quite some time just in terms of what it means, and I've got so many things I'd like to say, so many things that it, it brings to mind. I almost need to dismiss everybody, but I can't monopolize the time. I think more than anything, it just means an acknowledgement or a recognition of what God has done for me and, and for us collectively as a family. And yet we can't acknowledge that. We can't recognize that without God giving us that visibility or that vision. I think of when Jesus heals the blind man and when he first you know, puts spittle on his eyes and he can't quite see perfectly. I think that's almost the way we are now. We have God's word, and so when we go to it, we see things we didn't see before, and yet every time you go back to the same scripture, your eyes are opened a little more, and hopefully you retain what you had before, but sometimes you go back and you revisit, and we were reminded, and we get down on the people of Israel, and I feel like I'm the same way. And so when I think about the glory of God, and to all things be God's glory, when I try and polish myself up, when I try and lift myself up, when I try and use scripture to to do something good for God, what I'm doing is robbing God of his glory. I'm a cracked pot. I can't fix myself, but he delights in using me if I'll let him use me. And that's, I guess, my struggle too as a Christian. But you know, I think it's important for us to recognize God's going to be glorified in all ways regardless of our efforts. And it's interesting we talk about can God use someone else as opposed to who he did use in certain circumstances. Well, of course, but it's to God's glory that he uses us, <laughs> definitely that he uses me. Yes, in spite of ourselves, I have to jump in. One of the beautiful things about theology in this day and age is that, yeah, that's, that's really not fair, is it? I've got this mic and I'm protecting this. But... We, we build on our understanding, and we say a lot of things. Whenever you hear a, a catchphrase of the day, at least be suspicious of it. Um, one thing that, that, that Chris said is, we, I glorify God because of what he has done for me. Um, people used to say a lot, glorify God, praise God for who he is, not for what he's done. We don't know him apart from what he's done for us. We... We, our gratitude flows, and that's not a, it's not wrong to pray that, but just understand that we don't even know God. It's apart from what he has done for us. So that's one of the reasons that we give gratitude and, and glory to him. Everything that's been said is wonderful. Go ahead. Go for it. Well, I, very much like Jim, what comes to my mind is, is Isaiah 6, um, and, and I just really focus on the, the holiness 
uh, of God, which is an otherness, and I, I think it's, I think sometimes we tend to think of holiness as being really, really good, uh, but it really means <laughs> other than, and, yes. you know, God is not like, I always think of the Greek gods, you know, which are really just sort of superhuman, you know, they're these essentially humans who can, you know, throw lightning bolts and things like that, you know, but, but really they have, they have all this, they're just like us, except for they have superpowers, you know, so they have jealousies and, and lusts and, and failings, um, and God is not that, he's not, I think in the Greek Orthodox tradition, they don't refer to God as a supreme being, uh, they talk about him as being uh, beyond being, uh, he is because a being, a, a supreme being would be in their mind sort of like a Zeus type character, sort of a larger than life, but, but very much like something we can imagine where we really just can't imagine God the Father and the only way uh, that we can connect to him is through Jesus um, and that's the only hope that we have um, the um, in, uh, which one did I want to do here? Oh, in Job, yeah in, in Job uh, 26 Job talks about um, uh, he lists all these things that God, it's actually um, uh, uh, this is when Job is before God has spoken in the book of Job anyway, um Job's listing all these things that God has done, and all, you know, he made the earth and covers the face of the moon, and lists all these wonderful things, but then he says, um, behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand, just this total otherness, and that we would have no hope of being connected to, and, and any, any time that we think that God is doing something or has allowed something that seems unfair or is allowing injustice or, you know, suffering. Um, or like, like Brad was saying, you know, when he demands uh, praise and, and that kind of thing. And, that, and some people would say, oh, oh that's uh, egotistical or something like that. But, but that's, we're applying our own rules and right. logic, you know, to, to him who is totally other and inscrutable and can't be known, again, apart from his acts toward us and apart from the work of Christ. So that's, you know, the glory of God and all the, the especially in Revelation, all this, the, the angels are flying around just praising God eternally, glory, glory, glory. That's something that we can never attain, uh, never really even comprehend except for through Christ. I kind of came at this through, well, let's, let me think about what glory is. What is glory? Uh, not only what does to God be all the glory mean, but what does glory itself mean? And I, and I realized it's, it's something that, it, it's a verb, right? You can glory in or revel in something, right? Uh, it's something you can give. Well, I can give you the glory for something. It's something you can have, right? If I give it to you, you have it, right? Um, well, why? You know, usually what is this act of reveling and glorying in and giving glory and having glory? What is it, what is it usually 
involved? Why, why is it there? And I can't help but to think of, you know, like, a, you know, an arena. We, we talk about lightning bolts. I was thinking of Usain Bolt, right? And he's the fastest guy in the world. He wins. And what does he do? He runs with his flag around the track. He is the victor. Who remembers who was second? Who remembers who his coach is? They have glory too, right? Who remembers them though? That second place person, his coaches, all the people in the stands, all the people around the world, they're pointing to him. They all have glory in some measure, but Usain Bolt at that moment has all the glory from all around the world, from all people who care about that kind of thing, right? And my mind is taken to the, you know, the end of time and this, from our perspective, what is forever and ever uh, being in the presence of God, the victor who is high and lifted up who thunders with his power, who, by the way, I'm a musician as well, and I love participating. I like hearing it, but I love participating in the music. I love participating in the sport itself because I have a certain amount of glory that I, that I get from that, right? But God has the ultimate glory. And in fact, my, any glory I feel, any glory that, that even if Usain Bolt turned, and he did, turned the second place guy, turned his coaches, and he's pointing out, they're reflecting it just right back to him because they recognize he's the victor. To God alone be the glory for bringing his children into his presence. I saw no temple, this is from Revelation 21, verse 22. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. They have glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He has given these whose name are written in the book of life a certain amount of glory. But he sits on Everest, on the peak of all the mountains that there is, and all of the other mountains who, to whom he has given glory and he's created in them, they're just reflecting back to him because he alone deserves all the glory for doing what he has done in his children. I can't wait. I cannot wait. All right, I'm an old man, so I'll forget some of this. Let's stand.
first verse. Let's stand together. Holy, 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 Lord. say, David, where are you? Come, come up here. But thank you. Be seated. Um, and don't you know what a great reminder that God is pleased with our mess um, in spite of us. I, I hope you get a sense for the, the, the level at which these elders love and know and study the word of God. Um, thank you very much for answering that question. <clears throat> As you did, Scott will just go right back down the line. So you, you'll speak again. Our second question this morning, what is the one thing you have learned in this study that you would like to share with the Grace family this morning? By the way, I just want to say in defense, I should just let it go. This is, I, I suppose, toward my own glory. But uh, these guys knew about the content of these questions for a long time. I, I worded them as I did. Uh, and uh, so there goes my raise. The budget will be amended. Um, <laughs> Bingo. All right, Scott, answer this question. Can I have, can I have the difference? Uh, uh, yes, yes, you can have the difference. <laughs> Which tells you what the raise was planned to be. Just break it down to something quite simple, uh, but it was profound for me. In thinking through all, you know, the definitions and the applications of all of these uh, five uh, concepts, grace started to take on a little bit different meaning for me, or I should say I turn in the, the jewel of these words around and I saw a facet, I should say, of the aspect of grace that I, you know, I know, but it never really sunk in as heavily. We all know the idea of a grace period, right? Um, so, like you have a library book and it's due. Well, you don't have to pay for that probably until after a grace period of some time, of some time right? And the whole aspect of there's this time that you owe it back or you owe money, and you if you don't give it back, you're going to have to pay, right? I'm a library book. What God has extended to me, I owe back to him. And his grace is that, is that period, that time, that allowance for me to wake up and really... I got no hope of waking up. It's that period where he touches me and wakes me up that I might have faith in him alone. Mm 
to his glory alone. So that aspect of grace just, it really meant something more, mean, you know, deeper to me than it ever has. Um, well, I sort of come to this very steeped in reformed uh, thinking and, and teaching, and I just sat under reformed teaching from a pretty young age. Um, and so really looking, but I will say I've n never done, there was more focus in my upbringing, or at least in my interest maybe, in the uh, Calvin and his, his teachings, and particularly the, the TULIP acronym, uh, which is somewhat similar in impulse, you know, trying to summarize the, the, the reform thinking. And if, if you don't know what that is, it's a, the acronym. I, I really don't know where it comes from, actually, the, who, who made that up. It's, Synod it's, it's of English, Dort. So, anyway. um, the Synod of Dort. But it's the T, it's the total depravity of man, that is, we are completely sinful and shot through with sin. Um, the uh, undeserved uh, mercy that God has shown us through nothing that we have done ourselves. The, the tricky one for a lot of people is the L, which is limited atonement, which is the idea that Christ died for the church uh, and for the elect um, rather than for the, the entire world. Um, the I is the one that I uh, almost can get into idolatry almost about. I, can, I sort of exalt this one so much, and that is irresistible calling. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, where a lot of my emphasis has been, that it has nothing to do with us, and we really can't resist it. Um, God's calling on us. And, and, I know, and I'm sure, quite sure there's people in here who would disagree with that, you know, that would say, no, 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 God calls us, but we choose whether or not to, to go with him or not. Um, but to me, it's, it's, it's sort of like the police. We have some policemen in here. Um, you know, if Jeremy Pittman uh, comes and knocks on your door, um, you can let him in. But if, but if you say, no, 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 you can't come in, he's coming in. <laughs> um, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll ask first, but in the end, he's going to, you know, his will will be done. Um, and uh, that's anyway and again I've, there's going to be people here who don't agree with that but that's the one that I focus on a lot and then the P is um, just to finish it out is the perseverance of the saints the idea that you, once you are truly saved you cannot lose uh, your salvation so uh, that's, that's where I've had a lot of focus but it's been very helpful to me to look at this other way of summarizing reform thinking through the, the solas um, and and the, the kind of mystery of, well, how can you have five things that each one you're saying, well, only this, only this, only this, but they all fold into each other. And I've just been very, very blessed to, to come to, I think, a better understanding of how those things work together. And from the beginning, Jim and I both, we decided to do this last panel a little differently, but we said, hey, we want to do grace and glory. We both said that because to me, those... Those two things are most meaningful to me, like that it's only about God's grace and mercy, not about anything that I have done. And then ultimately, again, like I was saying before, whether it seems fair to us, like that, that limited atonement thing, you know, a lot of people would say, well, that's just totally unfair. But it, we can't, you know, the potter determines what he's going to do with, with his vessels, you know, and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and. uh 
we can't look to God and say, that's not fair. You have to do what I think you should do. Um, because he is, I'm coming back around, but he is holy. He is, he is to be praised. And so that's, you know, it's been very helpful to me to, to think about these things in this way. And it's, it's not scripture. You know, these, these solas are not scripture. But they're, they're based on scripture and, and an understanding of scripture that the reformers, beginning sort of symbolically with Martin Luther, have shaped for us. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful to not, to not uh, have to live in a time when these things have not been spelled out for me. Amen. Again, it feels like I've been, my notes have been stolen and I didn't even bring them with me. Um, the corporate world, I guess we call it synergy. When you look at the solas and, you know, it's by through the hearing of scripture alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we give glory to God alone. And so when I look at those, I guess it's not blasphemy because it's not scriptural, but at the same time, I don't look at these as solas. And I look at these more along the lines, not so necessarily that it links in a chain because that's a poor analogy and analogies break down but they are instrumental one into another and you really can't have one without the other outside of God's glory because he will have his glory mm -hmm. regardless. But when I look at this, it's not so much what I want to share with you as if I'm going to give you information that hasn't been shared from the pulpit or that you haven't, you haven't studied at home group or shared with one another. It's just refreshing opening your, your eyes. I mean, I, I mentioned before you know, the, the, the blind man whose eyes are open partially and then more fully. Similar to Lee, I, was, I, I came to God in September of 1978. I didn't have a concept. I was 12 years old. And as I grew and got older, I learned more and more about sin because I kept doing the wrong thing. And even to this day, I'm constantly hardening my heart, and God's having to constantly soften it again. And so I need him daily, and I need the gospel poured into me. And so... I guess what I'd like to share with you all with regard to you know, what, do, you know, what does this mean to me or what, what, what have I learned, what would I like to share, is that the importance of the family of God. We need one another. We talk about, in Connections class this morning, about joining the body. We talk about the bride of Christ. We are one. And yet we don't consider one another as our neighbors. In Michael Horton's book, Core Christianity, God's talking to us in terms of, okay, I'm using you, but at the same time, my glory will be done. So in order for me to be useful to my neighbor, he's the author of all good gifts. I don't create anything. All my works are not of my own making. They're gifts of his that he uses me to give to my neighbor. And so I think when you're looking at the solas, obviously they all tie together, but at the same time, it all points in terms of what the you know what's been said earlier this morning. It all points to God. You know we are to be mirrors to reflect His glory because there is nothing we can bring to the table. I think of word pictures. I always think of analogies, and I think about you know as as an orphan. You know you don't dress yourself up in your best outfit and go out and find the family that's going to adopt you. God came to us. He came to me while I was the most miserable, and He does that for all of us. And yet we somehow figure out a way to continue to wallow in our misery. And yet God still loves us and we're still part of that family. And that's a glorious, glorious thing. But it's not glorious for us. It's glorious to him. And we talk about doxology. When we get together and we recount the 
glories that God has imparted in our lives and we sing together every morning, we're pointing to him. And when your heart is in that mode, when we are focused on God and not inwardly, it really is a wonderful, wonderful time of worship. I love to watch baking shows at an obsessive level. Oh, oh, I'm going to stream it all today then. So what is amazing about these baking shows is that you can give each of these people the same ingredients and see what comes up. It is uh, quite a variety of things. Um, I, I don't bake much, uh, but watching this show makes me think that I'm this awesome baker and that I could do it. Um, but I say that because this study has taught me that we are part of the body of Christ. We are not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not isolated to those of us in this room, uh, but we are a part of it, like eggs and sugar and flour that come together under a master baker's time and attention to create this beautiful and delicious product. Um, I, I see that as, as how we are um, within the context of the body of Christ. Um, and even how each of these five solas is, each of them comes together to create this beautiful picture of, of our theology. Um, so sometimes we can isolate ourselves um, by the, the color of our skin, uh, the continent in which we live, the time period in which we live, but the body of Christ extends far beyond that. It's, it's beautiful, and uh, we are to play a part in it. Maybe we're the butter, and we get melted, or we get chopped. Uh, maybe we're the flour. You know, there's, there's no telling what part we are, but we're all card, called to, to be a part um, of the body, like we talked in uh, Grace Connections class this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, the ear cannot be the toe. But both are important. Each is important. And uh, because this uh, came from a, a desire to reform the church and, and seemed to have created a, a split, a separation, um, it began with somewhat of a bad taste in my mouth as far as learning about the Reformation. I've known about it for a long time, but never uh, dedicated to studying it. And that's not at all the case, I can tell you. Um, it is for the glory of God that all of this has taken place for the last 500 years, um, for the last 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I pray that it will, because I know it will, uh, continue to occur. And uh, one day we'll all be the most beautiful, delicious cake the world has ever seen. continued celebration of 500 years of Reformation. I love my Five Solas Reformation t-shirt, <laughs> even though I should have gone with the long sleeve version. <laughs> um, but when I think about these Five Solas, it, uh, it hits me. The lesson I've learned that I want to share is not only how relevant they still are, but how necessary they are for all of us today. God's glory. We don't know about God's glory until he reveals himself 
to us. We don't know that salvation is through Christ, by grace and through faith, if it were not for his disclosure of himself to us. God actually coming in the flesh and accomplishing that, uh, revealing the word through the apostles and prophets. So if there's anything I can leave you with uh, concerning the five solas is let it be to the glory of God, but let us be ever more familiar with his own revelation of who he is and what he has done. Uh, let it, scripture be our, our constant companion. Yeah. I had an answer for this, but earlier I learned something that I think the first time I, I knew it already, but I heard Chris say he was a crackpot. <laughs> and I was certainly glad for, to see him admit that. It's the first step, isn't it? <laughs> the one thing I have learned, I think, that, that to pick one is difficult, but uh, Bert and I seem to be on the same page, is that the grace, the depth of the grace is something I never really understood. I still don't fully understand it, but you know, I always knew we were saved by grace alone, you know, through faith alone. And that's not of yourself, not of any works or anything I do. I understood that. But then when I started really studying grace alone in that book, wow. Yeah. The fact that we can come here on Sunday morning and hear the word preached is grace. The fact that we can pray and he hears us is grace. Mm. The fact that we have families who love us is grace. It's just so deep. It's more than I've ever understood. And that's what I've learned. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. There's so many things I've wanted to say along the way. Um, I, 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 with you, never thought I would learn as much on, in this study. And I am more convinced than ever about God's sovereignty in our salvation. It's taken me a long, long time, and then you just go deeper and deeper. I am a little unsure about the L. Someone said, you're a Christmas Calvinist. No L. Um, so uh, that, that's, that may be true. Uh, but uh, I wanted, almost wanted to apologize to, to, to Jim and Bert because the level of study that goes into these different solas is pretty stunning. You would be surprised how much they study. And then we decided to have all the elders up here. But I'm really glad we did. Thank you guys especially for the study that you have done, Jim and Bert. That will not go wasted by any means. But thank you all for loving all of us as well as you do. We're grateful. I hope you're praying for these guys every day. I do. They're praying for you. Well, I now need to apologize to the worship team. We're, we're past 1130. Let's stand and sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You can go. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies 
or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.